Welcome back. We're going to continue our conversation with Jeb Bush, former governor of the state of Florida. Let me ask you this. Is, uh, well, I, I know people will, will, will um, you know, I'll be in trouble if I don't broach this subject, at least, and ask you. I'd like to see, here I see it, it's 2016. I see Jeb Bush running for the presidency with his vice president, uh, hopeful uh, uh, Marco Rubio. Uh, any, <laughs> any chance of this coming to pass? You can have two people from the same state running, for number one. Number two, it's way too early to speculate on 2016. I can say that Marco Rubio is a really special uh, public official. He has a gift that is um, inspiring, his ability to communicate and draw people towards the conservative cause is quite unique, and um, he's a great friend, and I'm so proud of how he has grown and how he won his election two years ago and how um, he has a great future ahead of him. Okay, I want to ask you, you said earlier on in the interview, uh, Jeb, that uh, you, uh, being the governor of Florida was the coolest job in the world. When you think back, why do you say that? Because, first of all, you get to serve uh, what has got to be, you know, you think about Florida, it's 18 million people, we're from everywhere, we're as diverse as diverse can get. The state is just a beautiful state. The natural beauty is phenomenal. The potential of the state is enormous. I woke up each day just so enthusiastic to advance an agenda that I thought would help people and to serve. It's just, uh, you're in a position of leadership. It's not a collegial body. People expect you to lead. I had a set of beliefs that I, and a set of ideas that I wanted to implement. And it was just a complete blast. To use a North Florida expression, it was like being a pig in slop. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I love those old Florida sayings. I'd we like don't to have big farms anymore in Florida, but that would be if we did. That's what they would say. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'd like to ask you this, uh, and for the young people that are listening or the old alike, what are three books that changed your life that you wouldn't want to have gone through life not having read? And then I'm going to ask you three people that are, they could be alive or they could be deceased in history, whatever, that you would like to break bread with and have over for dinner and chat with. So let's go for the three books and the three uh, individuals that you'd like to break bread with. Well, I'm going to give you, they may not be the three most um, powerful books I've ever read, but I'm going to give you the three last books I've read, which have really shaped a lot of my thinking about the future. Uh, One is a, a book written by Charles Murray called Coming Apart, which is a devastating depiction of the disruption of what we consider in our country to be kind of the norm, which is the idea that you can, if you work really hard and play by the rules, you can be anything you want to be. And that is part of what we define as American exceptionalism, the American dream, and uh, through an incredible set of data points, Charles Murray refutes this notion that that is the norm in America today. And it's very troubling to me that that's the case, but we've lost our social mobility. The values that used to tie us together, irrespective of our level of income or family background, have have eroded. And uh, he shares this belief in really compelling, I would say, irrefutable data uh, comparing 
a community called Belmont, Massachusetts, which is an upper middle class suburb of Boston and Fishtown, which I saw yesterday, in fact, just to just drive through it, which is a working class community in Philadelphia. And it's just a, it's one of those game changing kind of uh, books. If you love this country, uh, it it's deeply disturbing, but it also um, hopefully will call people into action. And we need more civic engagement. We need to re- re-fortify our culture. We need to be um, less dependent upon government and more dependent upon ourselves to rebuild this fabric that that really defines us as a nation. And then the other two books that I'm one I'm reading and one I just finished is the third volume of the Carroll book on Johnson, which is a six-week period after the assassination of Kennedy. How Lyndon Johnson got three major pieces of legislation done that could not happen, could, did not happen when uh, President Kennedy was alive. And it just shows the power of public leadership. And it's just a phenomenal story. And when you post it up to what we have today, it, it should really cry out for people to say, lead, Mr. President, take us to a different place, find the consensus and common ground, engage people that may not agree with you, to create that consensus. Um, it's a phenomenal story. And then the third book would be the final volume of the Manchester trilogy of uh, written about Winston Churchill. And it's um, Manchester did not, he, he had a stroke and couldn't finish the book. It was written by a, a, Palm, a former, former Palm Beach Post reporter, but it, it's a spectacular book about a spectacular man, and again, it shows that one person can truly make a difference. Winston Churchill saved Britain, period, over and out. And for those that get depressed about the possibilities that we can't solve our problems, um, reading these books, you know, either should call you to arms or give you some sense of hope that things can change, uh, but it requires public leadership. Well, they were telling they were telling Churchill to go home that he was. In, excuse me for saying this, Governor, but they called him an old fart, and he warned them to be sell, about selling those planes to Germany, and yet they continued to sell the planes to Germany. And obviously, his hour had he, he had an hour of destiny, which he always believed in. And yet, at the same time, for all those late bloomers out there, he didn't really uh, come to light and um, blossom until he was uh, what in his late twenties, and he himself was a mama's boy. Well, I'll tell you what, he, he, if you, there are very few people, let's just say a guy like Winston Churchill would have a hard time getting elected in America today. Yeah. Um, but he was all in in life. You know, he was uh, a warrior. He was a painter. He was a voluminous writer. He was an orator, and he was a phenomenal leader. He had, he had guts. He had courage. He exemplified the resiliency of the British people and kept them as resilient as one could imagine uh, ever possible. I mean, it's a phenomenal story of grit and determination and just all-in leadership. And and the guy was, as you said, was um, sidelined politically. He was really pushed aside and had over a decade of time where his voice was very seldom heard. And um, the his party and his country turned to him uh, after the, you know, after the, uh, after the war, right at the outbreak of the war, and but for him, we could have had a completely different history in our country and yeah. world.
Now, now he had a sense of destiny. He said he always thought he had a destiny, and I guess his mother did too. Um, let me ask you this, if you don't mind, and you can elect to answer it or not. When I think of your brother, I think of him being more uh, the the solid. The, I've got my hand in a fist right now, and it's sort of solid. I think when I think of Jeb Bush, I think of the same solidity, but I also think that he's got a velvet glove on. In other words. I, 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 you know, I've met you on various occasions, you may remember or not, but I sort of see you as uh, not soft in that you're uh, pliable and tender-hearted and yet firm, uh, which is, you know, more, um, more of palatable for, for the American public. Do you see, first of all, I would like to know, do you see yourself like that? And B, do you feel that you have a destiny, Jeb Bush? Uh, no, I don't. I don't feel it, um, and I, you know, look, I, I don't. That's maybe a little too deep for me. I'm not quite sure. We're not the most reflective of, of people. Um, Bushes aren't. But uh, let me just say something about my brother. Uh, a lot of what people see of, in presidents is is based on the hand that they're dealt. Um, my brother, well, first of all, is pretty good in politics. He got elected twice as governor and got elected twice as president. Not many people can lay that claim. That's right. That's right. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't discount his political skills. No. Uh, and he was dealt a um, a hand that required fortitude and determination and toughness. Yes. Um, it, we were we were we were attacked and uh, we were very vulnerable. And he I think kept us safe, and I think he created an infrastructure around us that uh, makes us better prepared to be safe going forward. That's not to say that adjustments aren't necessary as you, you know, move away from uh, one part of history to the next. So I would, I, I would say history is going to be kinder to my brother than a lot of people um, in the here and now are. Uh, and I know that he has a uh, he has a Heart for people. I mean, I see it day in and day out. Uh, he's an incredibly compassionate guy. But in the eyes of people who see him, the remembrance of you know, the you know the lockdown kind of uh, feeling is really related to 9/11. Yeah. And so, you know, history. There's it's just it's a funny thing, right? You have presidents who never were really challenged. And you have some that were, and um, that's not their doing. Yeah, he, well, you must admit, we, we were not attacked after that again. I mean, whatever they did behind the scenes, they did a dang good job of it. That's not to say that we weren't, uh, there weren't efforts made. Even oh, today, I just woke up this morning, and there were two American citizens of Pakistani origin that had been arrested and sentenced, uh, plotting to attack um, in a terrorist fashion people in, in, um, in our own state. Uh, these things continue on, and we need to be vigilant. And I think my brother's contribution to this is to has been to remind people that we have to be vigilant. Free society to protect our freedoms, we can't allow terror to reign supreme. So yeah. uh, time goes on, we adjust and we adapt, but that basic foundational principle, I think, still applies in our country. Yeah, he's a well. He was it was the right guy at the right time to be there to protect us. Okay, we're talking with Jeb Bush. We've got to take a little break, and then we will continue with Governor 
Jeb Bush.